A recent ruling by the Connecticut State Supreme Court in the case of Emily Byrne versus Avery Center for Obstetrics and Gynecology allows a plaintiff to sue for negligence if a health care provider violates HIPAA regulations for protecting patient privacy. So what does this ruling potentially mean for other HIPAA privacy disputes and data breaches? I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with attorney Bruce Elstein of Connecticut law firm Goldman, Gruder & Woods. Bruce is representing the plaintiff, Emily Byrne, in this case, and Bruce will discuss with us the significance of this ruling and how it might potentially apply to HIPAA data breaches. Hi, Bruce. Hi, how are you today? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. So now to start, for our listeners who aren't familiar with this case, can you very, very briefly tell us what the dispute between Emily Byrne and the Avery Center is about, and especially where the HIPAA negligence allegedly took place? I'm happy to do that. The uh, case was brought because my client, Emily Byrne's entire medical file was produced to a former boyfriend of hers without her knowledge and without her authority. A subpoena had been issued on the office, and the office, instead of telling my client, Emily, about the subpoena, decided to copy the entirety of her file and send it off to the children's court. The boyfriend eventually got access to the entirety of her file and then used the information from the file to harass, badger, and extort her in certain ways. We then brought the case against the medical office, alleging that they negligently responded to the subpoena. It was negligence, we claimed, because they did not follow the standards that HIPAA sets forth as the minimum standard of care that they should have followed. The court in Connecticut initially dismissed our claims, finding that HIPAA did not provide a private right of action but instead left us with no remedy except complaining to the bureau down in Washington who enforces HIPAA and could fine them $100. So we brought the action so that Emily could seek a remedy under negligence for not having followed what HIPAA required. The Supreme Court recently issued its decision after considering it for close to two years, finding that HIPAA, in fact, did not preempt the negligence case that we brought and that Emily could proceed to trial using the regulations that were enacted under HIPAA to set the standard of care below which could be negligence. So now, Bruce, for people out there who are laymen when it comes to some of the legal issues such as the longstanding view that under HIPAA, an individual couldn't take a, quote, private cause of action. What does this all mean? What does it mean that the court ruled that this negligence claim can move forward? It means that today in Connecticut and in uh, several other states across the nation, patients' privacy will be better respected. Better respected because medical offices could be made to pay money damages if they do not follow what HIPAA requires. So in a nutshell, it provides patients with greater security in knowing that their medical, their confidential and private medical information uh, will be kept that way. And if it's not, 
they have a remedy for that breach. Bruce, every day we hear about large health data breaches, and every day there are class action lawsuits filed in many of these data breach cases. Many of these lawsuits end up being dismissed by courts because plaintiffs can't show that they've been harmed by the data breach, such as being victims of identity theft. How might this court ruling in your HIPAA negligence case be relevant to data breach lawsuits? Well, that's still a question to be determined. Certainly, the case here in Connecticut will lend support to the argument that if certain data breach cases are premised upon federal regulations, that those federal regulations can be used to support a negligence cause of action. So what's next for this case? Is it expected to go to trial next year? And if so, is there still a chance that another court could throw this out or perhaps rule in favor of Avery? Well, the the Supreme Court in the decision left open a very important foundational issue. That issue was whether there was a cause of action in Connecticut at all for a breach of confidentiality. And they specifically ruled that they were not deciding that issue at this time. We expect to go back to the courts and have further proceedings, hopefully leading to an early trial. But there may be another attempt by the Avery Center to bring up the issue of whether a breach of confidentiality can ever be used in Connecticut as a cause of action or said another way, whether there can be a cause of action in Connecticut for a medical office's breach of confidentiality. So in this case now, do you have to show the damages done to Emily, or does it mean that you need to show that the Avery Center was just neglectful in doing what they were supposed to be doing under HIPAA in terms of protecting Emily's privacy? Well, in our case, we'll be charged with proving both what the standard of care is that they should have followed, and for that issue, we'll use the regulations used, promulgated by Congress and then enacted under HIPAA as the standard of care that they should have followed. We have other remedies also in Connecticut. There's a statute that allows us, uh, which says that uh, medical information is to be kept private. So we'll use those standards to try to prove that the conduct in our case fell below that. Once we do that, we'll be able to then prove the cause of the damage to Emily was the wrongful disclosure of these records. And then once we get to there, we're going to prove the extent of those harms and losses for Emily in the emotional toil and the upset that the disclosure has caused to her. The disclosure of such private, sensitive, and deeply personal information was particularly heinous in this case because the uh, former boyfriend went on a campaign to embarrass, harass, and even extort her using the information that he learned. So the harm to her has been very significant, and at a trial, we'll be able to present to a jury the harms and losses that Emily suffered and ask for an appropriate award of money damages not only to compensate her for that, but to keep medical information more private will allow the jury to consider the issue of what the appropriate message should be to the medical offices here in Connecticut. And I think that message will be when HIPAA says to keep something private, it means keep it private. 
And the, and the message will be, when you breach HIPAA, there's a, a consequence. And that message should be that the consequence will be money damages. Now, that's not really the sole objective here. The sole objective is to make all patients and all medical offices treat those records with greater care. So the message of the case that we hope will be established is that privacy matters and that medical information should be kept private, and we hope that the learning of this case will teach all medical offices to be more respectful of the confidentiality of these records. So now, Bruce, many HIPAA breaches, many large breaches, in fact, and that includes those that are on the Department of Health and Human Services so-called wall of shame, many of those breaches involved lost or stolen unencrypted laptops and storage devices and that sort of thing. Being that so many of these cases involve unencrypted devices and the HIPAA security rule calling for data to be protected, could you see this sort of negligence argument being made in any of those cases where a healthcare provider was negligent in not encrypting data that later got lost or stolen? I think those attempts can be made. I think the more difficult aspect of those cases will be proving the harms that result from the breach. In our case, we have a much more uh, direct causal relationship between the wrongful disclosure and the harm that it caused. In the encryption and the data cases, I think the weakness that there has been and will continue to be is the proof of actual harm that has occurred. Now, certainly in the case of a data breach, where a person's identity has been stolen as a result of a wrongful disclosure um, is similar in harm to our case, and I think this case will lend support to that type of case. But on a wholesale basis, I think the argument's a little more difficult. In those other cases where a laptop is stolen and it's unencrypted, and as I said earlier, there's been cases where lawsuits have been filed, but the courts have dismissed those cases because there hasn't been any evidence that, for instance, the breach victim has also been a victim of fraud or some other sort of harm. Can you perhaps foresee that maybe emotional upset could be a claim for some of these suits where people are always worried about, well, you know, maybe I'm not a victim today of ID theft, but we don't know if five or six years from now or ten years from now even that may be the case because of this breach and I can't function or whatever the case may be. There's a lot of emotional worry that's involved. Sure. The cases like that we're talking about I think will hinge on the on the issue of causation. There's a legal concept called legal causation, and that means in a nutshell that the, the breach must be the substantial precipitating cause of the harm. So in those data breach cases, I think that that's the weak link. But in an appropriate case, that link can be established. And I think our case will lend support to those types of cases in using standards in HIPAA to support them. Now, in Connecticut and many other states, we have unfair trade practice acts. And if the breach, failure to encrypt, 
or other things like that, you know, negligently allowing a, uh, a laptop to be stolen by not having it locked or leaving it simply on a park bench can lead to a pattern or practice, which if established, can lead to a general business practice. And I think that the standards that are set forth in HIPAA, both for privacy and for data breach, can be used to support a case, an appropriate case, where the company is shown to regularly not have in place safeguards to protect information. So I think in those types of cases where you're claiming a pattern or practice, if you're using HIPAA as the standard and you're showing the pattern of practice is to be careless in your information, either by never encrypting or poorly encrypting or not having in place an appropriate program to prevent um, data breach, then perhaps this case will lend support in the future to those types of actions. Finally, Bruce, what should healthcare providers and business associates learn from this case? The most important rule, I think, is to be up on and follow the law. No one is saying that, a, that an office that follows the HIPAA privacy rule is at risk. The only way that they can be at risk is if they fail to follow the HIPAA regulations or other privacy uh, regulations that there are. The teaching is be careful with the data, follow the law, learn what it is, and pay attention. Thanks, Bruce. I've been speaking to attorney Bruce Elstein. I'm Marianne Kolbesek-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.